Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104 Nine The Horn. It is a Top of the Charts Tuesday. That's when Patrick takes jams that reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Um, and that's when uh, so he puts us in the uh, the right mindset for on the Top of the Charts Tuesday. So we appreciate all of his efforts. Uh, you can be a part of the show. You're the heartbeat of this thing. Specs, text lines, the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. Is this, what, what am I actually watching here? Is this a commercial or is this a... A film? It's a new, yeah. What? Yeah. Is that real? Yeah. I thought I was watching like some type of parody or a commercial no, about LeBron. Real, There's a LeBron. Is it a series or a movie about I LeBron's I think it's life? a movie, but it's going to be streaming. So oh, it's not Peacock. going to theaters. It's a streaming one. Well, these days, hell, half the damn movies out there. Now, the question is, is, it's his, is it his like production company? Doesn't uh, he have one now? He is. does have a production company. I don't know if it's his or not. He does have one, yeah. That's a good... I don't know. That's a... Oh man, that's yeah, a little premature. Now, hey, that seems I think, a bit premature. I think, I think that's the way to get his boys paid too. Yeah, because it's like him they, and his high school boys. It? Well, no, but I'm sure they're like consultants or something uh, because they're in the movie. That's true. So I bet this is a hey man, my high school guys, let me get them hooked up. Who's and, the dude that's playing LeBron? If I'm LeBron, son, I'm like, dude, I'm playing you. Give me that bread. <laughs> no, if I'm LeBron, I'm like you practicing. You, you need to practice. Well, he's got more than one son. They, can, they the both movie? need to practice. <laughs> they both need to they can practice all the time. Spring Hill Company is his production company. So we got to see if Spring I'm sure they have something to do with it. Uh, why, uh, would, 100%. why would LeBron let them make a movie about his life and, and not have his production company a part of it? I think it's premature. This is why people dislike LeBron, though. This is why, because he he is a he's he, making it he about is a his great <laughs> exactly he is a great superstar, but he is one of the 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 most he's one of the biggest unintentional villains yep. in sports. Like he he's almost a Forrest Gump of villains. Like I didn't mean to. What you mean people hate me because I did this? The decision? What are you talking about? I thought people would like the decision. It's like no, LeBron, they hate the decision. He's like, but I gave money to the boys and girls clubs. Like no, people still hate it. Yeah. Uh, and then his don't tell us what you did. Positive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and even when he, I mean, even when he goes to Miami, right? They're uh, the not one, not two, not three, and he's laughing and joking after doing their first uh, championship run against the Mavs, and that made him kind of a villain. He goes back to uh, Cleveland, that helped him out a little bit because kind of the prince that was promised, so it helped the legs, and then he won a championship for Cleveland. That was big, but then everybody hates him all over again because he goes to L.A. Yep, and because he wants to be a Laker and, and he won celebrity culture. And he won, so people hated that even more too. Yep. And oh man, all time leading scorer now too. Oh man, yeah, that's the thing. That's what Scotty was telling y'all. Statistically, <laughs> he gonna have everything. He will have everything, and his own movie about his and own life. His own movie but, about his own life. But come on, man, that's, that's I a, mean they already have wait, one like that. You can too. wait till you retire. No. Well, I mean, this who is just a, who, who's got a movie about your life in the sports world before they retire. This is just the first movie. Yeah, this I is know. about this is just this about is just high, high school. school. There's gonna be a, like I said, this is annoying. I love the brother. This is annoying. <laughs> this is annoying. I love that man. Okay, my dog's <laughs> middle name is LeBron. I love LeBron. That's annoying. The yeah. LeBron. That is oh, annoying. Yeah, I don't, I'm not approving and of it, is, but uh, come on, because we know there's gonna be a movie made or a mini series made about LeBron. HBO. We get it. It's gonna be yeah. big time whenever it happens. Do you really need to do this? I mean, they're gonna make a movie. Just about the decision, just about <laughs> Cleveland. Yep, yep. He's just getting them started now. Oh man, he doesn't even try. He doesn't even know that it's it's d bag hey. d baggery. But hey, it isn't is. isn't he isn't he contemplating? He may be retired. We don't even know yet. Oh, we that's know. Right. No. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, my theory is that he's definitely going to retire at one point, but he's going to come out of retirement like a Brady yeah. or like an MJ. He's going to retire at one point. It may be this year. It may be, and then just just for the shock value, just to annoy y'all. 
and then y'all know he's gonna come back, and he still ends up coming back in two years because that's LeBron. Yeah. I, I, listen, he's a good superstar because he brings headlines. We just had a five-minute LeBron segment just because he's annoying to us about <laughs> him making a movie or about his not even his whole life because his life is not over. No. Right. Just about the first half of his life. Yeah, the, the synopsis really doesn't do it any favors <laughs> to because it's like it's about the, his high school him and his high school teammates who dubbed themselves the Fab Four in high school. Don't say dub yourselves. Come on, man. <laughs> exactly. Come on. In the synopsis, say that the city dubbed or high school other like say so. It's a you made it up at this point. You made it up. Don't we say we did ourselves. it. I love. And you know what? Okay, so I guarantee. Okay, this is actually a good part of that movie. The Rich Paul story, I'd kind of like to yep. like. Because yep. didn't he meet him like when they were really young and like when he was like in high school? <laughs> they were like, they, yeah, they all grew up together. They all grew up together. That was yeah. like their crew and everything. So I, I am a little interested to see how they portray the crew. Yeah. Like Rich Paul and them and that kind of stuff. Because those guys have really. Remember, it was called themselves. his posse. <laughs> Remember, they were calling it his Phil, posse. You had Phil, Phil Jackson. Jackson. It was a posse. It was his posse. Oh, so who are they going to get posse? to play Brian Windhorst? <laughs> oh, there will be a Brian Windhorst. There has anyone, to right? because that's oh. the, that was his first assignment. That's why he got to the NBA. Oh, he was, yeah. His job was to follow LeBron James the entire time. He was smart. That was yeah. a smart move, man. That's a good. It's a good beat to get on the LeBron beat. You on a team beat? No, I'm yeah, on LeBron. I'm on beat. LeBron. I just got LeBron. <laughs> I just got to go. I go after yeah. LeBron. Whatever it is. Uh, all right, let's get to some uh, Texas baseball conversation here, Harge. Uh, Texas baseball headed to Miami, and uh, they are going to be facing the Raging Cajuns. They yep, are, yep. Uh, Miami will be the uh, host team for that regional, but they will be facing the Raging Cajuns in their first matchup. Uh, give me your thoughts about uh, first of all the uh, region that the Longhorns find themselves in, uh, but also their matchup versus Louisiana. When you think about the teams that are their main one, their conference, Miami's Miami, and then you look at what Louisiana was able to do. Louisiana's 40-22. and 22. They were 18-12 and 12 in conference, floor and three at neutral sites. Uh, away from their home, they were 12-10. and 10. So to me, somebody said Jonah Hill is going to play Brian Winhorn. Oh, that's brilliant. But hey, remember, well, he's, no, he's skinny, skinny now. now. Yeah. yeah, he's skinny so now. He can't Too do skinny that. for it. Yeah, he's been out on Zempic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I can't deal with that. <laughs> I think it's true. <laughs> it may be true. It may be true. <laughs> but you sit here and you start looking at how this team is going to play, how they're going to handle the situation that um, they present to them because of the fact they are a team that likes to run. Mm-hmm. That is going to be the biggest challenge for the Texas Longhorns. Number one, keeping them off base. But number two, yeah. you got to make sure that you are are smart enough with your delivery, slide stepping, mixing it up, throwing over to mm-hmm. first, and keeping them off balance. Because if they get on base, they're definitely going to be a team that's going to try to run. Another thing that y'all need to look for, another name that you need to pay attention to, is Kyle DeBarge. That's right. DeBarge? DeBarge. DeBarge? DeBarge. That's right. That's right. Uh Uh-oh. Heck of a player. Shortstop. And he's been playing there since his freshman year. Started as a true freshman. So, guy can really go at shortstop. So, you're going to see some guys that have been around, that have been in this program for quite some time. But I still believe Texas, if Texas can go out there, put the ball in play, and not strike out near as much as they did in Arlington – I think this team will be ready to go. Now, uh, obviously, Miami's Miami, and they've they've had their their ways here uh, recently. But that's still a talented team. They're obviously a host. They got some good players on that squad as well. 
what team has Texas played this year? That is there any that reminds you of Louisiana? I would say West Virginia. Oh, really? I would think West mm. Virginia. Ah, okay. I think that, you know because West Virginia is a team that that was very active. Mm. They will put the ball in play. They will make you have to make plays. And Texas pitched well against West Virginia. Yeah, they did. So this would be the perfect time for them to continue to go out there and keep them off balance. Um, Who is who is a player that you think could have a? We've seen this actually in the Big Twelve play. It didn't always uh, sorry Big Twelve tournament play didn't amount to wins all the time because Jack O'Dowd had a hell of a day. Yeah, he did. Right. Yeah, he um, did. Uh, he was was a four four two home runs. Well, two that home day. runs that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, he had a hell of a big day. game. Big game. Dylan Campbell's been showing up, so yep. I'm, I'm not going to uh, disrespect some of those guys who've had really standout performances so far in the postseason. Um, but who would you put your money on that's going to have a breakout campaign in the postseason? Well, I don't know if it'll truly not, be a they're not gonna break breakout. Out. Just, just, yeah, I, just, think, I think Garrett Gilmet because this is going to okay. be a big challenge for him. Teams that like to run, how's go. he going to do behind the plate? Yeah, And how is he going to c- control this pitching staff? Because that is something that I'm going to be looking at. Because you're going to have to manage this thing the entire time. And pitch to pitch, situation to situation, everything changes. So I want to see how Garrett Gilmet is able to go out there and handle his business during this time. Yeah, that's going to be, you're talking about the magnitude of every at-bat um, and every possession mattering mm-hmm. just that much more in the postseason. Uh, it's a good point. Um, so uh, Texas baseball, of course, we'll talk a ton about it, and we'll uh, be breaking it down all week long leading up into their matchup versus uh, the Raging Cajuns uh, in Miami. Hopefully um, do a lot better than they did in the Big 12 tournament. No doubt about this it. This team does bounce back really well, though. Uh, they do have, uh, I think, a, a, a factor, that a bounce-back factor that's helped them so far this season. Hopefully that happens uh, in the, uh, the big dance for them. Okay, yep. let's get to some Texas football discussion. Three new analysts hired by uh, Sark and the uh, to the staff. They are all given the uh, title of special assistant to the head coach. Three new analysts and Paul Christ being probably the most notable former head coach for Wisconsin. And it has not been stated whether these guys are going to be devoted to offense, defense, special teams. We just all assume that. Yeah, We're just assuming Paul Christ. It just be, seems to fit perfectly, It just seems to fit because right? he's got one from defense, one from offense, one from special yep. teams. Paul Christ, uh, former head coach of Wisconsin Badgers, he is uh, a special assistant to the head coach, we assume, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they have uh, Joe DeCamillis. 31-year NFL veteran as a coach of special teams, as a coordinator, or as an assistant coach. And uh, you have Payam Sadat, who is a long-time, been a long-time FCS coach, uh, but Portland State, uh, Army have been two of the most recent spots he's been at. And he specializes, uh, has expertise mostly on the defensive side of the ball. So the assumption is that every phase will get a special assistant to the head coach, uh, but we don't actually know exactly how the role is going to break down. Sark hasn't talked about it yet, just yet. I'm assuming at one point this week, maybe next week, we'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach, about these new acquisitions. Um, but I, listen, I like them all. Uh, I, I told you guys this earlier. I, I love the fact that you, know, you bring in Paul Christ, and Paul Christ can help you with the creativity 
innovation with the running game. Yep. My biggest concern about the Texas offense has been the loss of Bijan and Rojo, and now you add a guy whose, whose offensive uh, resume yep. has a ton of, uh, of great rushing teams on it, and he has been known for being a, a, a coach who has been dedicated to the run game and had really effective run games, whether it be zone blocking or gap and power, power schemes. So I think that's probably the biggest impact. And I like the fact that I brought this up in Rod's round today. You know, schematically, I think Texas is going to use a lot more of those extra O-line packages, those six O-line packages. Hell, you may even see seven O-line back. I think you'll see six, mm-hmm. though, more than you saw it last year, which was about 15%. And when I went and looked up research on Paul Christ, I found a lot of film with his teams using six, seven, eight offensive lineman in his time there at Wisconsin. I think that's one of the concepts you're going to see Texas prolifer- uh, proliferate here at university uh, just once he is on campus and once he's advising Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just one thing, though. Uh, I think you'll yeah. see other stuff, too, with uh, Paul Chris. And also with the uh, Joe D. Camillus hiring, I said this to in Ross the other day, I, I know he's a great special teams coach, and I am not saying that he and Jeff Banks aren't going to combine their uh, special teams uh, skills. And, right. But I do think Joe D. Camilla's coming in, in my opinion, is more about having Jeff Banks focus on his other duties as a tight ends coach and less on special teams. Now, he's been magnificent as a special teams coach. The best phase at Texas last two years under Sark's tenure has been special teams. So there is no doubt that bringing in Joe D. Camillus is only going to be adding strength to a strength, making something strong even stronger. But I do think that Jeff Banks, who's a tight ends coach, I do think he is this year in a special position because of J.T. Sanders' development and his ascent. And we looked at Pro Football Focus and we looked at Pro Football Network. All of them have J.T. Sanders as the second best draft eligible tight end coming out in the draft right now. Sark, I don't think, has had a tight end that has been graded and rated this high. I don't think Sark has had a tight end that's this athletic freakishly as a J.T. Sanders. And I do think by the time this season is over, Sark's should have his most prolific tight end since he's been a play caller. And statistically, JT Sanders should have the best season in the history of Texas football for a tight end. Statistically, um, once this season is over, I think Sark understands this. I, I I don't know if he's listening to me or great minds think alike. I do believe that's why he's bringing in Joe DiCamillis, who's never coached in college. He's <laughs> been an NFL say, guy never. the whole time, right? He's a lifer in the NFL. I think the priority to bring him here to Texas was because, hey, Jeff, I want you to help me take J.T. Sanders' game to the next level. I'm talking about All-American, NFL, first, second-round caliber tight end, which Texas has never seen, which Sark has never seen, which is just unprecedented territory for Sark. And I think that's why he wants to decamillus here so badly. Yeah. That's and, my opinion. And, and you know, the more that you talk about it and what we've expected to see from J.T. Sanders, if that is the case, I'm excited about it. Why not? Let's go ahead and do it. You've got somebody that can cover the special teams while you're working on something else. But at the end of it all, what are we going to do to get him better? And that is the thing that that Sark is probably looking at. And I can't I can't disagree with what you said about him focusing on the tight end position because not only JT Sanders, but everybody else that's in that room that needs to get Great up point. to speed yes. too. Yes, you're right. Because he's athletic enough that we can work some things out and they'll want to fine-tune it, but – who is going to be the other guys after him? Who's going to be the guys that are going to be needed in that big package um, mm-hmm. uh, setup? So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. 
No, you're so right because, and, I, and Jeff Howe was talking about this in our uh, Longhorn Blitz podcast that we did earlier today. Because you go look at the 12 personnel for Texas. Last year, they were at 40%. I'm talking about regular 12. One back, just two tight ends. 40% of the snaps last year, not last year, sorry, 2021, I should say, were for 12 personnel. That's one back, two tight ends. That number dropped to 26% in 2022. But mm. the Kim Kardashian, Nick Minas, Renee Minas, Cardi B, size, making the same size. But is uh, Sark was able to supplement the personnel packages by using more two tailback sets, which increased from about six percent in 2021 to around sixteen percent in 2022. And also mm. with what I call the six O line package, what Kyle Flood calls the Big Eleven, Big Twelve package, which he says. In coaching clinics, Texas wants to use 30 to 40% of the time, which is mind-blowing. But when you look at that offensive line class they hauled in a couple of years ago, it does make sense. They use that 15% of the time. So you, you combine the 26 and the 15.5%, you still add up to 40. So essentially the 40% of 12 personnel from two years ago, one back, two tight ends, essentially this year they added up to 40%, except – 26% of that was one back, two tight ends, and then the other 15.5% of that was around your 6-0 line package, which they consider to be Big 12, the Big yeah. O line package. So it, it, he is looking at it, and I do think Sark intentionally wants to play bully ball. He's talked about that. It's a term that he used. This extra O line will help him play bully ball, and that's what I think the mm-hmm. Paul Chris thing is all about because Wisconsin plays bully ball. Yeah, that was that was their That's mentality. The, they I were mean, a bully ball that football program. Every time yeah. I watched them play, that was something that was a major part of it. The running game was so much of. Think about all the offensive linemen that came out of Wisconsin that are playing in the NFL. I mean, it continues to happen year in and year out. So with him being able to come in and educate either Kyle Flood on certain things that he's looking at. And then you're looking at the offensive, I mean, not the offensive line, but the mm-hmm. running game as well with Tashar Choice. There's so many different pieces that Paul Chris can bring to both of those guys, to the offensive line mm-hmm. and to the running back room. A uh, great point from the texter earlier that said uh, Joe D. Camillus going to the college ranks or at least experimenting with it might be uh, something he considered after the NFL rule changes, which we all have agreed have kind of gutted mm-hmm. um, special teams. They've yep. tried to shadow ban and Great point. take out sp- kickoffs out of the game and kickoff returns out of the game. And I wonder now with college still emphasizing special teams a bit more than the pros, maybe he's thinking he has more value in the college game. Maybe. In the program. So that's a good point there by the texter. Also, texter here says, if the LeBron movie about himself can make a little fun of himself, in addition to show the intensity and drama of trying to be great and showing the pitfalls, the failures and downfalls that every man experiences, I think it will be worth watching. If LeBron is able to mock himself, that would be awesome in that show. If basically he's able to mock himself by being some, at times being corny, because he's known for being kind of corny and kind of being um, awkward in his superstardom, that would be great. I don't know if he'll do that, but it would be fun. It definitely would be fun if he could. LeBron mocks himself a little bit, but not enough. He should mock himself more. I would agree with that. Because he's... Humility. Well, just because you're, I mean, right now, you're in the MJ-LeBron debate. You're not going to catch MJ right now. No. But, you know, you've already 
establish yourself in the Mount Rushmore conversation. Very fair. So you can mock yourself now. And I think, you know what? He might do it later on. Now he's at the in the twilight of his career. You may get more LeBron mocking himself. Is uh, he retired or not? That may be that's the start of it. <laughs> yeah. He can start mocking himself right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. About the retirement stuff. Making fun of he, himself yeah, about the like, retirement. Hey, all yep. the goats retire, and you know what? He's a goat, so maybe he should retire and then come out of retirement like the rest of them do. I <laughs> uh, love this texture. How is Sanders freakishly athletic? I don't see it. He's not the guy from Georgia. He's not Brock Bowers, but like I said, Pro Football Focus and Pro Football Network say he's the second best draft eligible tight end right now in college football coming out. So Boom. I don't think he's Brock Bowers either. Brock Bowers is on a different level, but Still, we're talking about arguably the second best draft eligible tight end in college football. He was a five star, not freakishly athletic. Like, Come what, on, man. What, I, well, I, I, mean, don't know what, what, I don't know what you on, deem as athletic or freakishly athletic, but when you're a five star, when there are like other 45 star athletes every year uh, coming out of high school into college football, that's as freakish as you can get. Like, we can't get freakier than that. Nope. I, not, you can't get freakier than that. Not even too short can get freakier than that. That is freaky, man. Especially so. <laughs> when, especially with your size and your speed and the way you can move. Yeah, that kind of makes you freaky. Yeah, y'all got some high. He's not Kyle Pitts, but he's freaky. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's yeah. not the same. Um, oh, someone says, "Where will Bron's hairline be in the movie?" <laughs> See, that's how LeBron can make fun of himself. He can start with the hairline, something everybody knows that is funny, and then LeBron James. Uh, seems to be a little sensitive about. Very sensitive about. He's wearing a little headband and stuff. It's like, yeah. dude, him and Derek White. Derek White. What's going on with that? Let it go. Is he? Does he have a, a wife or a significant other or anybody Let in his life go. that can tell him the truth about that? I don't know. I'm, I mean, he has to read social media about it. Huh? We need truth tellers around us. Wow, Derek White. He balled out this playoff yes. too. That's why everybody's starting to notice it. My wife was yes. like, "He's good. What's wrong with his hair?" And I was like, "I don't know, babe. I have no idea." Stop looking at his hair. You can't. I understand. You can't even appreciate <laughs> well, how good he's playing because you keep looking at the hairline. That hair, that headband sometimes just blends in, too. It does. <laughs> it's like, golly, bro, it just blends in with your hair. Just let yes. it go. <laughs> he is married. He's married. He is married. I'm blaming his wife for that. His wife is doing it on purpose. No, she probably told him, wear that. It looks cute. Exactly. Because she (laughs) she wants him to go out there. So nobody will want to holler at him. No woman is attracted to him. (laughs) And she's like, he ain't never got to work cheating on me. Uh, See, he needs to cut that off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm blaming Let the wife again. That's your job as a significant other. You got to tell your significant other when they are failing that badly in anything. Clothes, hairline, yeah. nose hair. We back in this hair. together. We in this exactly. We in this together. We in this together. I can't have you out there looking that bad and then you basically making the whole family look bad as a result. Yeah. As part of us. That's pretty fair. Your kids probably do it to you now too. No, what wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Your kids have to be like, Dad, you can't wear that. They're always, Dad, they're, no. they're always cause I'm always trying to figure out what I want to do with my hair. Exactly. If I wanted to let it grow out or if I'm gonna let my beard go. They're like, you're embarrassing. <laughs> you're embarrassing us, Dad. You're, 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 Get you're it together. Even my, my my daughter, she was like, Dad, don't don't do that. Because they love you. Yes. They try. To, they want the best they for you. They look out for him. Does they Derek look out White, for Dad. Does Derek White's wife love him enough that she will recommend a good haircut for him? No. Exactly. No. So I'm going to say. She, he's all mine. Where's the love? <laughs> all right, we come back. We'll get into the, the uh, SEC. Apparently there's a struggle, power struggle going on between uh, two sides about the schedule. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful, not the
Right here on 104.9 The Horn. Oh, this song was a jam. I remember this song. It took it was, over like for like a whole, yeah. I don't know, it was a spring song in the summer, or summer. Yeah, it took over for a while. I can sing the chorus, but you don't want me to because I remember it that well. I was still yeah. clubbing during the days when this came out. Yeah, this is one of those songs that was like, it was really awesome for the first two to three weeks. And then it was like six months later, you're like, why are we still playing this? It was everywhere you went. It was in restaurants. It was in stores, clubs, driving down the street, walking down Congress. It was everywhere. And you're right. It was awesome because it was like, Roos is really unique for the first three weeks. And it was like, all right, now this is really annoying. Uh, it does happen. But uh, Top of the Charts Tuesday when my man Patrick plays jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. All right, let's talk about this day in history because, uh, well, this past week in history, the SEC meetings are happening, Arch. And one of the topics that was discussed or has been discussed is the eight or nine game schedule format. For the future SEC, which will be expanded SEC once Texas and Oklahoma get to the SEC. And how about this? It seems like now the power struggle um, in the SEC over an, a nine-game uh, format for the scheduling or the eight-game format for the scheduling. Um, and for those who don't know, the nine-game format would basically be three Three common opponents that you play every year, and then you'll rotate six other opponents every year based on whatever formula or algorithm they, they decide. And then the eight-game formula, you got one team you play every year. And then the other seven uh, teams from the SEC and that schedule, they rotate those. And, of course, you got your non-cons. Yeah. So that's the difference in the schedules. And I, it, essentially you get to keep one of your cupcake games if you go to the eight-game rather than the nine-game format. So Nick Saban recently, through his uh, support behind the eight-game schedule, that he says will create more balance. Um, he said, I think the SEC has a better chance to get the parity right during the eight games. I'm talking about the balance of who has who. Mm. And it seems like there is now more support um, growing behind this eight game. And to, to Ross Dellinger says that there's more support for the eight game schedule now um, than the nine game schedule format. And the reason is because they want to force the the broadcast networks, ESPN, to pay more money for the extra game. And right yeah. now. They are not paying more money for the extra game if they go to nine games. So a lot of the SEC decision makers are saying, Harge, why give them an extra game for free? Right. When they pay us for the extra game, then we'll go to nine games. Right now, they pay us for eight. Let's do eight. So what what do you think? What do you when you're looking at these nine games or eight games? You still have to play what twelve games? There's twelve still games. You got to play twelve. You got your three non cons. Well, they're saying to say with four non cons, three non cons, but then one of the FCS. FCS. Yeah. Thank you. Whatever it is. Is thank that you. something that you feel is is going to be beneficial? I mean, you want to play at a high level, and if they're going to expand the playoffs, why not go out there and play more games against better opponents instead of getting that one game where you you're supposed to go out there and destroy them? Like it, it, your fans don't want to see that. 
I don't think so. I don't think we. How many years did we complain about the Texas football schedule, mm. about the home game schedule? Everybody's like, "Oh my God, look at these games! I don't even want to go to bowls." And now going into the SEC, every week you're going to be up against it. You're going to be trying to mm-hmm. figure it out, and you don't want to put up. No disrespect to any of those smaller schools. You don't want to put them on your schedule because number one, it's not going to move the needle. But number two, they come in here and beat you. That's another conversation to have. Yeah. What would have happened if yeah. UTSA would have came in here and beat them last year? Hey, they, it was, <laughs> it was a single. It was a one score game <laughs> in the third late. quarter. Yes. Jade Barron breaks wide open with yes. that pick six. But I'm with you. No, you got a lot more to lose than the game, and that's kind of what they're saying. They're saying, well. Because Ross Dellinger claims that some within the league believe a ninth league game is worth at least $5 million per school in mm. additional revenue each year. Okay. And that's what they're holding ESPN to that number and saying, well, if it's worth $5 million per school in additional revenue each year, then you need to pay us more money for the value of these games. ESPN saying, man, we're pretty maxed here. <laughs> we, right. We, we, you know, we're pretty maxed out here, and you know, they're, you know, they're cutting budgets and things of that nature, but I guess they did just pay Pat McAfee how much money? A lot of money. Well, money. that's why they fired a lot <laughs> of people. They let <laughs> hey, a lot of people go so go, they can pay yeah, Pat McAfee. How we going for McAfee? Yeah. All right, we got to fire some of y'all to make room for McAfee. <laughs> but either way, um, they're claiming that you know things are tight uh, at ESPN yeah. as well financially. So that's basically what the – and I'm with you. That's what the debate has been about in terms of the scheduling format. But to me, they it tells you that the SEC and, I don't know, the powers that be, they don't really care about putting the best product out there like – they, you know, sometimes they portray like, hey, we're just about putting the best product. The SEC, best product, best football that's yep. played. We want the best playing the best. To be the man, you got to beat the man. No, actually, it's about them getting the most bang for their buck. Yes. Per the dollar, product. Dollar yes. bills. Because if they want the best, you know, just just to be the best, period, and have the best product, they would say, of course we're going to nine games. We're going to play the SEC teams. are going to play more. We have the best teams playing in the SEC. Mm-hmm. We want the SEC teams playing each other as much as possible because that's the best brand of football that the world has ever known college-wise. So yep. that's what we're going to do. They ain't doing that. They're going, no, no, we'll, we'll play as much as y'all going to pay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, then that's what we'll, Pay to play. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what they've decided, which, you know what, I'm not mad at that, but um, it just shows you that it's not all about the product sometimes. Well, not all, sometimes, all the time. Mm. It's about the paper. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash. Which is why we got to get to a break. We'll come right back, <laughs> and then uh, we'll let you know what's on tap for us right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful night. Yes. Pop a top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion. Sir, I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here. It's time for What's on Tap. How about a nice cool drink? That's oh, really man, good. That's good. That's that is... mm-hmm. uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Getting ready to wrap it up and put it in the oven. Before we do, we'll let you know what's on tap. If you missed any part of any of the shows, please go to hornfm.com. You can catch up with them on the podcast page. Hey, tonight, Harge. Oh, That's right. We, we got, got the special, ride. Got, yes, right. We, we got the ride. We got a special sneak peek of the That's ride, right. uh, which will premiere on Amazon. Uh, and it is a great series about uh, the PBR League, uh, which is a pro uh, board riding league. And here in Austin, of course. 
we have uh, one of the teams in the Pro Bull Riding League, and they follow all the teams. Yep. So it's not just Austin Gamblers, but they follow Austin Gamblers, and they got some great stories about the Austin Gamblers. We got a chance to meet a lot of these guys. We won't spoil it for you, uh, but check out the Amazon series. Eight-part docu-series. That's right. Really cool, and I think we saw We saw episode three, yeah. It was it was fascinating. Me and Rod, Rod and I were sitting there looking at each other like, what? I can't tell you how many times. Is we, what? Me and Hart went, ooh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Because it looked like uh, what, he wasn't supposed to, yeah, it looked yeah. like somebody was supposed to get up. They get up. They get up, man. But it is it is, it is really cool. I loved it. Uh, it was fantastic. So thanks to the Austin Gamblers for having us out there uh, and, and all the hospitality. But also go check out the ride, that eight-part docuseries on Amazon about the uh, pro bull riding league, but also about the Austin gamblers fantastic it's so good it's so good we had so much fun watching that and and doing the interviews and rod and i had our mouths open half the time listening to these guys stories about how they got there and how to ride and it's just some cool cool stuff because you may see it on there and if you're not part of that that world you probably don't even pay attention to it yeah but us being a part of it and gotten the chance to talk to these guys, listening to J.J. Gotch, who came from the Round Rock Express and now ventured over to that, mm-hmm. how he got involved in listening to those guys' story, is something special. And I would encourage everyone to watch The Ride. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, okay, uh, what's on tap for you tonight? The Ride. Other than The Ride. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Patrick, what's on tap for you, brother? I don't know, man. We're, we're getting to the point. I don't have basketball to watch every night. Oh, my Ooh, goodness. What you going to do with yourself? Man, you got to watch spring league basketball sometimes. <laughs> like, I know. I tell you. So I'll probably watch baseball. You might. You should watch a movie or something. <laughs> you know Patrick <laughs> is terrible. not watching a watch movie. Watch the movie Air or something. Why, why would I? Why would I? First of all, I'm not going to watch it all. I, you'll be like, well, how was it? i be like, well, 20 minutes was fine. That I did something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I'm going to watch the uh, the finale, the series finale of Secession tonight. I know it's been fantastic. I heard, I heard a lot of people said yeah. it was really good. It is. So. Good. It's one of my favorite shows, and I've heard good things. So I'm looking forward to watching that tonight. I'll have a little Black Buster review for y'all tomorrow about that. Uh, thanks to everybody participating on the Specs text line. We appreciate it. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves, but more importantly, take care of each other. Peace out.